Thank you, Lord, that we can know. No, here in this place, that we, we just feel closer to you. It's not that you're not with us when we're not here, but, but here we just feel closer to you. You feel closer to us, our experience. And so we come to you and ask you to reach out and touch our lives. You know the things that we're burdened for. You know the things that we want to celebrate and are joyful for. Uh, and you know everything in between. And so, Lord, would you reach into our lives and, and touch us where, where we need you the most? May we know in, in this moment that you are good and you are God all the time. That you don't change, even though sometimes we get distracted and sidetracked. You're the same. You always love, always care, always bless. You still challenge because you love. So touch us. And as we stand and sit before you, Lord, may we be very aware of you today. As we think of those who are in need, we, we pray for those for whom we have a burden, whose, whose struggles and worries and situations we carry as if they're our own. Because we love them. Lord, would you touch their lives? Would you reach into their lives and situations in this moment again? May they experience the touch of your spirit just as we do. May they discover your promises are true for them just as they are for us. We pray especially for the Richards family and that in their time of sorrow and loss that they would know your deep comfort, the hope that only you can bring. We pray for others who are bereaved, other families or friends who struggle with loss. Would you just wrap them in your arms today? We pray for those for whom the struggles feel like life and death, and for some they are. We pray for Ruth, John, Debbie Jurgen's dad, for Lauren, for Phyllis. Pray that they may experience your grace, your love, and your healing, and your blessing, and your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the way in which you, you, you led our synod this week. You were present with us as we debated and discussed and listened and learnt. We pray for our church that, that the Methodist Church would be the beacon of light and hope that you expect it to be, that you expect us to be. We thank you too. Because of who you are.
And Lord, as we leave this morning where we know that we are different, not because we try to be better or good, but because of what you do. So may we live for you every day. For we ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so last week we, we kind of looked at what a, what a sequel might look like to the Jesus story and, and Jesus pointing to the promise of the Spirit. I will come, I will be with you again. I will always be with you. I will come with you in the form of my Spirit um, and you will become a different kind of people. You will do things differently. And I began to suggest that, that in the sequel of God, that the sequel that God is writing, that it's not going to be the apostles and disciples, the superstars of our faith that will stand out, but it will be ordinary people like you and me. We are the ones, we are the actors in the sequel. I hope you've been praying for today. I hope you've been reading the scriptures, and particularly Acts 1 through 5. I hope you've been remembering who God is. Because today we celebrate that it is uh, on this day, 50 days after Jesus' ascension, that God fulfilled his promise to pour out his spirit, not just on significant people, but on everyone, including you and me. And so as, as we kind of begin our, our message today, I, I want to ask uh, a question. Do, do you like doing stuff for yourself or do you prefer people doing stuff for you? As some of you know, this week, and I've said it, I've been away at Synod, and, and in the morning I would kind of get up and, um, and, and kind of get the kettle on in the room that we were, we were staying in and, and would make coffee for, for my roommate, who, who was, is my colleague, Reverend Charlie, from Littleton. And his response was, yeah, it's so lacquer to have someone make coffee for me first, time in the first thing in the morning because I do that for my family every single morning. Now, sometimes it's nice just to have a bit of off loss, you know. Somebody just does it for you, you know. Sometimes. But, but it's, it, I guess it's nice to be cared for and helped and doing, get other people to, to do stuff for you. And now that I have some really cool sons-in-law, uh, and it's been a while, it, it's really lacquer not to be the only one responsible for the bri when family gets together. I can actually spend a bit of time playing with my grandchildren because... The boys do the brying. It's lacquer. But one of the dangers with that is, is that you get complacent and, and then you kind of forget that maybe sometimes they also want to just have a break, you know. The danger is that, that, that I begin to expect to be served. And, and some of you will, will know that at church functions, I will often kind of grab trays and serve and hand food out and do stuff because because I believe that it's our responsibility uh, as leaders to not just want to be served and 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 in particularly in the kind of African tradition I know, I know some of you folk get really freaked out when I serve you it's like no Maruti we should be serving you you know of course there's something else that's happened in our modern world we, we've unlearned some skills and abilities and passions that our parents and, our, and their parents had. 
We've been led to believe that, that, that there are many things that we just can't do. So we have to call in the professionals. We have to get the plumber in to change the washer on, to, on, the, on, the ba on, you know, on the tap. I mean, you've got to phone a guy, you know. Or the electrician to change the plug. Or we've got to get a painting contractor in to paint the wall. Or we've got to get a caterer in to prepare a really good meal. Because we, we think, oh, we can't do it. Somebody else must do it. And friends, I think it's the same. It's true with spiritual things. We, 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 kind of, we need to kind of find a good Bible reading app to help us read the Bible. Um, we need to kind of phone our mother and say, Mom, you need to pray for me. You know, um, we, we've, got, we've got to get a good pastor to give us God's message. You know, we, we need to get the church to go and do mission work. And sometimes it's because we, we really genuinely don't have the time. So we pay somebody to do it. Sometimes we, we're willing even to pay people to do stuff because we think we don't know how. Sometimes uh, we, we'll be willing to get other people to do stuff for us because we don't believe we can do it as well as they can. <laughs> or, or we don't know enough. And today as we, as we think about the, the God sequel to Jesus' life, I think, I think the same is true within the context of the church. Other people need to do it because we, we just... Don't have the time. I'm sorry, Reverend. I, I can't volunteer. I just don't have the time. Uh, or, we, or we don't think we have enough skill. We, we don't know enough. We, you know, we haven't been Christians long enough. Um, and, and, and we believe that, you know, kind of others should be doing God's work. Um, you know, not, not me. So I, I want us to, as we begin to look at the sequel, to look at a significant passage in the life of the church and and we've been saying we said last week that we we're heading towards acts chapter 2 acts chapter 2 is a pivotal moment in the life of the kingdom of god and of the church and and let's see um what god's word says when the when the day of pentecost came all the believers had gathered in one place and suddenly a sound came from heaven it was like a strong wind blowing. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw something that looked like fire in the shape of tongues. And the flame separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in languages they had not known before. And the Spirit gave them the ability to do this. Godly Jews from every country in the world were there staying in Jerusalem. And a crowd had come together when they heard the sound. They were bewildered because each of them heard in their own, their own language being spoken, the crowd was really amazed. They said, aren't all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then why do we hear them speaking in our own native language? We are Parthians, Medes, Elamites. We live in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia. We are from Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia. Others of us are from Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Still others are visitors from Rome. And some of the visitors are Jews. Others have accepted the Jewish faith. Also, Cretans and Arabs are here. We all, we, we hear all these people speaking about God's wonders in our own languages. They were amazed and bewildered and they asked each other, what does this mean? But some of the people in the crowd made fun of the believers. They've had too much wine, they said. Then Peter stood up with the 11 apostles. In a loud voice, he spoke to the crowd, my fellow Jews, let me explain this to you. All of you who lived in Jerusalem, listen carefully to what I say. You think these people have drunk, but they aren't. 
It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, here is what the prophet Joel meant. He said, in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will have dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on my servants. I will pour out my spirit on both men and women. When, and when I do, they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above. And so signs on the earth below. There will be blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn red to blood, like blood. And this will happen before the coming and great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we move from sequel to premiere. For, for centuries, God had been promising his spirit to his people. For centuries, the, the belief was that the Holy Spirit was given by God to significant people, prophets, priests, and kings only, and only given to them for the duration of their duty. God would pour out his spirit on them so that they could prophesy or so they could lead um, either in the nation or in the temple. And when uh, their job was done, the spirit was withdrawn. Which is why when King David is confronted about the murder of Uriah the Hittite that he had orchestrated, Bathsheba's husband, by the prophet Nathan, in his great prayer of remorse, Psalm 51, David prays this, God have mercy on me according to your faithful love, because your love is so tender and kind, wipe out my lawless acts, wash away all the things I've done, make me pure from my sin, don't send me away from you, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He knew it was impossible to do God's work, to live the life that God gave, unless the Spirit of God was in him. So he pleads with God for forgiveness, and that God wouldn't punish him by taking his spirit away. Now, if you follow the story of David, God didn't remove his spirit, but God told David he was not going to be allowed to build the temple. It was going to be to his son, left to his son Solomon to build the temple of God. And David had long, David had, had planned and, and organized stuff to build the temple. He just longed to do that for God. And so that was taken from him. You see, how you lead how you do God's will is because of the Spirit. How you live the God life is because of the Spirit. Without the unction, the filling, the power of the Spirit, that becomes impossible. And David knew it, and others knew it after him. But David knew that he'd blown it, and so begs God not to take away his Spirit. And so as Jesus begins his ministry and begins to teach, he, he talks often about the promise of the Father, the Spirit coming for everyone and the closer he came to his death and then after his resurrection the closer he came to his ascension he speaks again and again of it if you love me you will do what i ask says jesus in john 14 i will ask the father and he will send the spirit on you you see for the for the disciples the stakes were high jesus whom they had seen die was now alive and, and he was going back to the Father. But was what, what, what made it critical for the followers of Jesus is that Jesus kept saying to them, you're going, to be, you're going to be following me. You're going to be doing what I've been doing. In fact, Jesus says, you will do greater things, way more than you saw me do. You will also do. 
No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. You will do more, says Jesus. And they know they can't do it on their own. So Jesus says, wait. Wait for the Spirit. Wait together. Pray together. Read together. Remember together. Wait. Wait until the Spirit comes. And then everything is possible. And so on the Thursday, Jesus ascends. And they begin the wait. One day, two days, three days, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I wonder, I wonder if they were wondering if it was ever going to happen. By the 10th day, they're, they're together in one place. They're, they're upstairs in a, in a room above somebody's house. And they're busy praying and something happens. There's, there's, there's a, a sound of, of, of a violent wind that comes from heaven. But it's weird. There's no dust or sand blowing in their eyes. Now that, you know, people who live in Israel are used to dust storms. And particularly in places where, you know, where, where everything's kind of wide open. And there were, no, there were no windows. Well, there were windows, but no glass. So there was just a, 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 a cloth curtain in front of each kind of hole in the wall. And so as this, this wind starts to blow, there's no dust in their eyes. And, and you know, it's, it's a bit weird. And, and, and then they see, they see fire come into the room and, and the fire separates and, 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 and the fire begins to settle on every single one of them. But they're not burnt. They're not consumed. They're not hurt. And it gets, it gets weirder. As these tongues of fire begin to separate and, 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 and touch each one of them, they begin to speak God's message, the good news of Jesus and the wonders of Jesus, but not in, the, not in, not in their own you know, Aramaic language. They begin to speak in languages they've never learnt before. Now, now there's a noise and, and there's freaky stuff happening. And people outside are beginning to gather outside this house. And, and they're standing around and they're amazed because, because they're from all over the world. They, the, you know, the day, of, the day of Passover, there were about 3 million Jews in Jerusalem. Because every Passover ends, those who are with us on that Thursday night, ends with today we celebrate, yeah, next year in Jerusalem. That's the dream, to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. So 3 million people gathered at Passover. And many of them would have come back 50 days later for the Jewish festival of Booths, Pentecost. And so there, there, there are people from all over the world there. There are, you know, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and Mesopotamians, and Judeans, and Cappadocians, people from Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya and Cyrene, from Rome, Cretans and Arabs. They're all, kind of these people are hearing about Jesus in their own language. And they're like, you know, they kind of look through the window and, and all they can see is these Jewish disciples. And they know they're, 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 they're Galileans. They don't speak all these languages. And yet we hear, we hear God's word in, in, a, in each of our languages. And, and so they ask, what's going on here? What's this all about? Some people are saying, <laughs> <laughs> And Peter gets up and say, dude, it's, it's nine o'clock in the morning. No, please not. Okay. 
Only nine o'clock in the morning. And Peter says, you know what God's been promising? Those of you who are, who are Hebrew, you know what God's promise has been. And, and, then, and then he switches and he, and he starts quoting from the prophet Joel. Joel, who, as I said at the beginning of the service, prophesies in a time when, when everything is a mess, when it feels like, like the locusts are eating everything. When I was a, a kid, my, my grandfather and grandmother, we went on a road trip down to the Cape, and uh, my my grandfather was magistrate in, Mar in Marysburg years before, and so we stopped off in Marysburg to see some of their old friends. And, and these friends were, were talking about how bad it was because it was a locust plague. And I kind of, you know, grasshopper. And as we drove out of the farm the next morning, the sky literally became dark. You could hardly see where you were going because there were just locusts everywhere. And, and, and they'd explained to us when, the night before that, that they eat everything. They eat those karoo bosses, there's just a stick left. They eat everything. No grass left, nothing. And so, and so when, when Joel prophesies, he's, he's prophesying to people who, who are feeling like that's what it feels like in the nation. People have turned away from God and the economy is a mess and other nations are demanding stuff of us and ruling us. And, and, then, and then the prophet says, the Lord says, I will, I will repay the years the locusts have eaten. And after that time, I will pour my spirit out on everyone. I will pour my spirit out on everyone. Not, you know, not just the prophets, priests and kings, but everyone, the young the old, the male, female, rich, poor, employers, employees, everyone. Everyone will experience. And there's this really cool little thing, you know, that uh, young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. It's normally the other way around. The older you get, you, you sit on the stoop and you kind of get a vision of what God is doing. Young people are the people who are dreaming, scheming, planning. And, and, and Joel says, no, it's going to be the other way around. Old people are going to start dreaming about stuff that God is doing. And young people will be so close to God that they have visions about what God is doing. It'll be amazing. I will pour out my spirit on everyone. Not just the connected or the influential. Uh, the, the gogo ironing in the kitchen. The youngster on the sports field. The CEO of the company. The nurse. The packer at checkers. The, the girl who just never seems to have a date, the guy who just doesn't connect with his buddies, the physically challenged person, a buff young gun, the debutant, everyone, everyone, the old, the young. And, and the reason for that is that, that, that if we are going to live the life that God gives us, in the sequel, we're going we're gonna to have to remember what David knew. You can't live the God life without the Spirit. It's just not possible. And so since Ascension Day, I've been, I've been using this metaphor of a, of, of a movie to, de to describe the Ascension Pentecost story. Jesus' Ascension, it's, it's like some 
cosmic Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesus saying, I'll be back, back in my spirit, back among you, back in you. But also the promise of the coming of the spirit, the spirit, the coming of the spirit in a time where you and I become the key role players in what God does in the world. Not other people, you and me. Now, yeah, you're saying, you know, I, what do I know? I, I, I've only been at church for a bit. I, I, I'm too tired or too old. Or, or I can't lead an out, a, 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 a small group or an outreach ministry or teach Sunday school. I, I'm, I'm just a domestic worker. I, I'm just, you know, a pensioner. But Peter reminds us the coming of the Spirit is for everyone. Because if we're going to live the God life, we need the Spirit of God inside of us. And if you think God can't or won't use you, let me tell you, He can and He will. Because He puts His Spirit within you. One of the things we begin to discover as we read the, the story of the sequel of the Jesus story, as we read the book of Acts and on into the New Testament, is that in the kingdom of God, the kingdom is upside down. Those who you think are going to be those who turn the world right side up are not. Those who you don't think are the people who are going to do it actually are the ones who do it. In, in the world we live in, it's often the powerful or the influential, the rich, the elders who, who get to do things, to shape poli policies, to be the kings and the superstars in society. But in the kingdom of God where Jesus reigns, Jesus is the boss we get to do the things of God. The key actors in the Jesus sequel are here in this building today, you and me. You and I are going to be those who will shape lives, be a blessing, change society and change the world. I alluded to it in the notices on... on uh, Thursday, Dr. Genevieve, or Friday, Dr. Genevieve James from UP challenged us about our, our life as Christ followers. Um, and then yesterday morning, Mark Hayward challenged us about whether we are involved in what God is doing, God is doing in civil society. You see, if you're going to wait for somebody else to change the world, you're going to wait a long time because God has already chosen who he's going to use going to use you I mean we are the ones whom God is going to use if you if you're wondering who's going to change your family who's going to be the person who kind of get your family going the, the right way again um it's you because you're the ones who God wants to use if, if you're longing to know how, to, how, to, how God might use you, whether God wants to use you, just, just remember this. He's already chosen you. You're already in the script. I became a Christ follower in 1977 at age 15. And for the next four years, I, I longed for the power to do the things that I saw our youth leaders. It's amazing and I kind of focused on the men, the guys, amazing guys, men of God. Uh, the things I saw, my minister, Sandy Dickey, who later became Bishop of Natal, the stuff that they were doing, I longed to, to kind of 
I wondered how they got to do it. It began to go from, from, from kind of church meeting to church meeting where people were being prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit because I longed for more. Finally, experienced the power of God in my life. Somewhere around the age of 17. And God used me as, as a youth leader, Sunday school teacher first, a youth leader. Um, began to kind of play guitar in the church very badly. Um, not much has changed. But, but God used me. And only later did the call come. About a year later, the call come for, for full-time ministry. But God was using me in the local church and amongst my friends. I discovered that the promise of Jesus was true. That Jesus said, if you love me and do what I want you to do, if you're obedient, I will ask the Father and he will pour out his spirit on you and you will be my witnesses where you are, Jerusalem. And in your kind of surrounding area, Jerusalem, and, and in your country, Judea and Samaria, and even maybe in the world. You, you are the ones that God will use, and me. Your friends, our nation, our nation needs Christ followers who are obedient to God and full of His Spirit so we can make a difference in the world. So today, today I want to say to you, don't, don't delay. The, the waiting is over in a sense. We've been praying, we've been reading scripture, we've been remembering who God is. And I want to today, in these next few moments, offer you an opportunity to allow God to fill you. Fill you with himself, fill you with his spirit. And, and we, we're going to do this in two ways. Just pour over us, pour into us, flood us, fill us. That we can be the woman and men you in fact created us to be. Those who shine like beacons of light. Those who speak truth. Those who live truth. Those you use to change our families, our lives, our families, our society, our country. Fill us, Lord, with yourself. May we know that as we, as we leave, that, that you are in us. And that tomorrow when we face struggles at work or at home, you're in us. When we're challenged by the way that others live, we speak truth, live truth, living with integrity and goodness, your goodness. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill the hearts of your faithful. May they glorify you today and every day. May grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with us all today. 
every day. Amen.